Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Good morning, church. So today's Bible reading is taken from Malachi chapter 3, 1 to 5. At the end of the reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and you will respond by saying, thanks be to God. Malachi 3, 1 to 5. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you, you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thanks be to Chidima as well. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, good morning, everyone. When I was uh, growing up in church, you know, there was a way they used to say something like, that praise is for you. That good morning is for you. I've not even been here in two weeks. Say good morning, church. Uh, good morning. Is this, is this, no, no. This, first, this one is not being recorded. So this is first. Let me, uh, let me understand. Is it because of Emmanuel and Dami? Have they started to, now wow. Good morning, church. Now, uh, we'll text, they'll be texting me, miss you, we miss you, we miss you. We'll come around now, show the love. <laughs> We're in Advent season, and Advent is the coming, the coming of your pastor. <laughs> All right, we must stop this now. All right, now you, now you can start recording again. All right, so, you know, as a church, we, um, it's nice to be both connected to the past and at the same time looking towards the future. And so, um, when you think about the church calendar, traditional church calendar, we don't normally run the entire church calendar as you probably see in the Anglican church or what have you. Well, but there's value in some of those things. And when you come towards the end of the year, there's such a lot of wisdom that has been put in that calendar that is saying, why not dedicate this season to think about coming, the coming of God? And that's what Advent is all about. And so we take this one month, if you like, to look at various themes in the Bible that show us about that coming. That's why we are doing this Advent. It's a time of anticipation. And so I want us to go into prayer just very briefly um, so that the word that we are going to look at, which shows us about the coming of God, uh, let's anticipate that word. Amen? And I'm hoping as we're doing that, maybe the temperature of the AC can increase so that people don't feel like they're about to freeze. Do you feel like that? No. no, you don't. No, just leave it there. See me, I thought I was not good at the fine. But, uh, all right, let us pray. Lord, we thank you for um, the blessing of your word as Bumi so powerfully, beautifully led us in um, song. The prayer is that you speak through your word. Um, we want you, we anticipate that you would um, meet us, O oh God, where we are today. We need you, Lord. Uh, that's why we have come. So we pray, Lord God Almighty, that you would speak to us powerfully. We pray that you speak to us, O oh God, graciously. 
We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, um, October 1st. Sorry. October 1st, 1960. Imagine what it was like to be there. Imagine what it was like to be, I don't know, a teenager or maybe an early 20, a 23-year-old, for instance, on October 1st, 1960. It must have been a time of great anticipation. In fact, you don't have to look too further. If you, there's a Netflix series that was done in 2018. Olaf Shukwashashore did one. It was called The Journey of an African Colony. The Journey of an African Colony. Um, and he was just, it was a series about Nigeria, Nigeria coming out of the colonial times and exploring some things that happened. Very, I, I recommend it very highly. I, can't I think it was a seven-part series. So I recommend it very highly. Go and, go and watch it. But it starts off with talking to uh, a few people about that day and talked about how they were filled with such a sense of pride, such a sense of joy, but most especially a sense of anticipation of what could be. You see, they were anticipating what this nation could finally become when we had removed decades old, the decades old shackles of somebody else ruling us from far away for their own benefit. Finally, we have come to a point where we can shape our own destiny. And the people were dreaming. The people were anticipating. Finally, we can get rid of the shackles of empire and now we can forge ahead and fulfill the potential of this nation. The story of 60 years after, however, has been one of constant potential, constant anticipation. Somebody once shared recently that said, ah, she got tired of people always saying that, that she's potential, potential. Ah, she poten if I continue to be potential, when is it going to, you understand? So this nation now is one we have been, eh? oh, wow. we've been one of potential, potential, potential. And that's why with potential comes anticipation. So that may be dying down a little bit. It's why actually, even whether it was democratic, uh, uh, change of uh, government, or even coups. I was um, looking back at when uh, Babangida came to power in 1985 recently. And though it was a military coup, people had a sense of anticipation. People had a sense, you remember now, uh, people had a sense of <laughs> anticipation and hope because of the person that he replaced and how difficult things were at that time. Talk about first and second coming. Anyway. <laughs> and so we are filled with anticipation about what could happen. We, are, we keep thinking about why elections become such monumental things is that we feel maybe this time, this time, we will have a leader or leaders that will take us to where we are meant to be. Now, of course, we have some bright spots here and there. Not everything is bad. But mo virtually most of us will say Nigeria is not where it's meant to be. Amen? Well, the book of Malachi is written in such a context. You see, it's about 100 years after Israel having been ruled by someone else. They were in exile, in captivity in exile in Babylon. Now they had returned back to their land. And when they returned, they returned with a lot of anticipation. They returned with a lot of hope that finally, eventually, the promises of God regarding them will now be fulfilled. The promises that they will have a king that will rule over a unified Israel and that not only will it be a unified Israel, but that the kingdom will expand to other nations and that that king will bring lasting peace, justice, and flourishing. That was the anticipation after exile. But like Nigeria, and 40 years even after, after 100 years, it hadn't happened. 
In fact, the resettled people were just as corrupt and unjust as those who experienced exile. And as a result, this led to poverty, this led to destitution, and the morale was generally what? No. They rebuilt the temple, but the people that even saw the temple uh, that was rebuilt, because the promise was that the glory of this house will exceed the former. But actually, many of the people that saw this temple, they wept. <laughs> they wept. Why? Because they said, the glory of this one is less than the former one. And 100 years after waiting and waiting, that king had finally, had still not yet, arrived. They were like a colony. And so Malachi comes in as a prophet to confront the new generation. He came to speak to the leaders of tomorrow. And in his message, he was basically saying, you are no different from your ancestors. But he came with a twist. You are no different from your ancestors, but the promises of God regarding this nation will come to pass. And it will come to pass with the coming of a messenger. And as we hear Malachi's message for us today, for all of us that are hoping, anticipating something, I want you to know that while God may confront us in our flaws, he wants us to also anticipate the coming of the messenger. Amen? Amen. So we've started with this, the messenger is coming. You know, the series is he's coming. We've done the... The shepherd is coming, the son is coming, and now we are doing the messenger is coming. So we look at this under the, message, the messenger's identity, the messenger's purpose, and the messenger's covenant. Messenger's identity, purpose, and covenant. All right, let's start. Now, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you confronted someone about something that was clearly the person had done? The person had done something to you. And the person's reaction was something like, me? How? I would never, you know, it's a, you were shouting, you raised your voice. Me? I didn't raise my voice. Me? How would I, has that happened to you before? Have you been a perpetrator of that crime? Yeah. It reminds me of somebody on staff. The person is constantly insulting me. Like, you know, it's when evidence now has piled up. I won't mention her name. <laughs> Constantly insulting me. And then when I'm not like, how can you say that? Pastor, me? Me? The reason I've not fired that is because I like her husband. He's also on staff. <laughs> As we were saying. That's exactly how the children of Israel are in the book of Malachi. There are numerous examples of this, but let me show you four of them. Four of them, in verses 1 to 6, verse 1 to, uh, verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, God says, I have loved you, says the Yahweh. But you ask, how have you loved us? Verse 6, it says, it is you, priests, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering idol, uh, 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 defiled food on my, on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? Chapter 3, verse 8. He says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. <laughs> you know what's coming. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And then there's a lot more. Now, the passage that Chidimai read for us is God's response to one of those kinds of incidents. In two, at the last, uh, 2 verse 17, the last verse of chapter 2, here's what happens. God said, you have wearied me. You have wearied Yahweh with your words. And they asked what? How have we wearied you? Because of the condition of the nation and the poverty and all of those things, they first questioned God's character 
and the question is availability. You how can you be saying that we look at us? They're saying we read you. And it's like, ah-ah. Uh -uh. Have you wearied me? Let me give you my response. He said, by saying, this had the question is character, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord. And he is pleased with them. God is like, really? But they also question his availability. All of these things that are going on. All the injustices that are going on. Where is the God of justice? So in 3, 1 to 5, you find God's response. And God's response is, where is the God of justice? You'll see him. I'm coming. Now, for us to break that down, though, we do have to explain certain things in 3 verse 1 because you have a number of characters in just 3 verse 1. And I want us to identify who those characters are and distinguish them very quickly. Notice in 3 verse 1, it says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. So there's the I and me. Put it aside. But it also says that I will send my messenger. So there is the my messenger. I me. Who is the I me? Who is the my messenger? All right. Then later it then says, the Lord who you are seeking will come to his temple. So we have the Lord. And then finally it then says, the messenger of the covenant. So we have the messenger of the covenant. So let's break them down. Who are they? First one, the I and me. That one is easy. You know why it's easy? Because at the end of the day, when it finishes verse 1, it says, says Yahweh Almighty. So the I and the me is who? Yahweh Almighty. Yahweh. All right? Simple. My messenger. Well, the, my messenger is Yahweh's messenger. And that messenger is the one who, it says in verse 1, goes to prepare the way before Yahweh. Like in the old times, when a messenger, a messenger was sent ahead of a king, when a king was coming to visit a place, right, so that the people will prepare the way so that there will be no stumbling block for the king, right? Get rid of all the bad uh, people, the people that will not cheer the king, you know, when he has returned. <laughs> Give a muted response. All right, obviously, okay, now I need a messenger. That's what I'm saying. All right, so there is the messenger that prepares the way. There's Yahweh, there is his messenger that is preparing the way, all right? And then there is the Lord. Now, we do want to say, when you look at the sentence construction, the Lord is also the messenger of the covenant. Right? When you look at it, it says, the Lord. It's like, it's not by saying the Lord and the messenger of the covenant that it means that there are two different people. Let me give you an example. It would be like saying, contemporary example, it would be like saying something like, the national leader of the APC is coming. The lion of Bodilon. The Jagabambogu. The one that you're anticipating is what? Coming. The lion of Bodilon, the national leader of the APC, and Jagabambogu. How many people are there? It's one person. So the further descriptions does not mean additions of persons. So the Lord is also the messenger of the covenant. So we have three entities. So far, so good, right? But there's one problem here. You see, in 2 verse 17, let's break it down. It says, remember, 3, 1 to 5 is a response to 2 verse 17. And 2 17 is asking, where is the God of justice? Where is the God of justice? Okay, so where is this God of justice? Now, they are seeking the God of justice because they're asking, where is the God of justice? And Yahweh in 3 verse 1 says that the first messenger will prepare the way before me. The first messenger will prepare the way before me. So Yahweh is the God of justice. He will prepare the way before me. Abi? So that means the God of justice is Yahweh, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Uh, is it not complex now? Yeah. Right? They're seeking the God of justice, and he's saying somebody will prepare the way before me. So Yahweh is the God of justice. Still no problem. But also in 3 verse 1, he says... The Lord that you are seeking will come to his temple. And that Lord, he says also, the messenger of the covenant that you desire. 
it now. Who are they seeking? Is it not the God of justice? And the God of justice is Yahweh. But we've distinguished between Yahweh, the messenger, and the messenger of the covenant, which is the Lord. On the one hand, they are seeking the God of justice, and that's Yahweh. But who is it that they are desiring? He says it's the Lord and the messenger of the covenant. Are you getting what I'm saying? In other words, the God of justice is also the Lord, which is also the messenger of the covenant. So on the one hand, the God of justice is Yahweh. On the other hand, it is the Lord, the messenger of the covenant. In other words, there's a, we know that there's a distinction between Yahweh and the Lord. There's a distinction, and on the other hand, they are the same. Is that too much? A distinction, on the other hand, they are the same. This only makes sense if they are the same in one relationship, but they are different in another relationship. Yobo is my brother in Christ. One relationship in Christ is my brother. If I say Yobo is my brother in Christ, that's one relationship. If I then say Yobo is me, you say I'm mad. If I say Yobo is me in Christ, because in Christ he's my brother, that's one relationship. Then I can't say in the same relationship he's also me. This would only make sense if, on the one hand, in one relationship, Yahweh and the Lord or the message of the covenant are the same. In another relationship, they are different. You see this in Psalm 110, right? Yahweh, the Lord, says to, all right? Sit down with my right hand until I make your enemies food too. But in Psalm 8, it says, O Lord, O Yahweh, our Lord. You see, Yahweh and Lord, the same. Yahweh and Lord, dif and different. And this comes to the heart of the Christian understanding about God. That God is the same, is one being, but then he is different persons. That at Christmas, the God of justice came as a human being. But that God of justice that came as a human being was not the divine father. It was the, the divine son. Amen? So in that regard, the divine, the divine father did not come. It was the divine son that came. God came and God didn't come. You understand that? And that is not a nonsensical statement. One of the persons of the Godhead came, and the other one didn't come. And you now say, but what? That, that's, that, that makes no sense. Well, first of all, I have to say, God, it makes more sense that the God that created us is more complex than us. That's number one. But number two, this world that he created, he has put a lot of those clues in this world. There's a dynamic of the one and the many. There's a dynamic of the simple and the complex that we find in this world. What do I mean by that? For instance, take the creation of the world. God created, there was the creation. One, creation. But the creation has animate and inanimate. Do you see? One creation, animate, inanimate. One, multiple. Take the animate uh, creation. The animate creation, one animate creation, but what? Animals and human beings. One, the many. Take one human race. Human race, one human race, but what? Male and female. And you can see that also in when we diagnose problems. Take, for instance, poverty. What is the cause of poverty? The whole of poverty that we see. It is both individual and systemic. Spiritual problems. It is both our mistakes and sin but also attacks of the enemy. And when we think about when we profess solutions to the problems, spiritual growth, I want, to, I want to spiritually grow. It's individual and community. We want to create wealth in a nation. It is both government policy and entrepreneurial innovation. Do we understand that? So the God has put his, the imprints of, the, of his nature in the world that is created. Now, that's an aside. Let's go back to this thing. Notice, because they were anticipating God, they found 
a greater understanding and knowledge of God. Isn't it the case that many times when we are truly seeking God, truly seeking to find God, that we get a deeper experience of God? Where is the God of justice? He's coming. And he's coming via these messengers. But what are they coming to do? It takes me to my second point, the messenger's purpose. When I was young, there was one uncle and auntie's house that I used to hang out in. I loved hanging out in the house. We had the compound, and um, our house was on top. Theirs was down somewhere. I used to like going to their house. As far as I'm concerned, I liked going to their house because it was more fun than my house. Now that I look back, I realize that for them, I was just more of nothing more than a nuisance. <laughs> so one day, I came. I just wanted to stay, not going anywhere. So the aunt said, ah, please, go to this um, woman's house and help me get Arodon. <laughs> I said, yeah, ah, OK, Arodon, OK. So I went to the woman's house in that street. She now said, said, I said, I want to get Arodon. She said, Arodon, oh, ah! The Arodon, I gave it to this other lady, go to her house. Ah, okay. I went. They said I should get the Arodon. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Kinney, if you do, if only you can. It happened about five, five uh, six houses until the last one sent me back to my mom. <laughs> and then my mom just said, stay at home. <laughs> I had no idea that I was sent on an, I was a messenger on an aimless journey. You know why? As many people now know, Aredo doesn't exist. Aredo is, this person is a nuisance. Let's show him a lesson. It's a community, community, you say it takes a village to raise a child. My mom just said, so you have been disturbing, just come back and stay at home. <laughs> messenger on an aimless journey. The messengers here are not messengers on an aimless journey. You see, because this book is all about messengers. If you've not noticed, messengers, messengers. What, do you know the meaning of Malachi? Messenger. So God, in this book, is sending a messenger prophet to Israel to tell them that the thing that they really need is going to come by a messenger who will be preceded by another messenger. That is, they have a purpose. Unlike the original messenger, they are not aimless. What is their purpose and what does it mean to us? What is their purpose and what does it mean to us? So let me first explain what their purpose is and then I'll explain what it means to us. First one, messenger one, messenger of the, my messenger. What is his purpose? Notice that it says that he prepares the way. He prepares the way. His messenger, his purpose is a preparatory, uh, he prepares the way for the one that is coming, right? That same phrase is used by another prophet before Malachi, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 40. In Isaiah chapter 40, he opens up with this, that God, Yahweh is instructing, that comfort, comfort my people. And that this comforting of my people is going to come with the announcement of a message that their sins have been paid for. Don't forget that. That their sins have been what? Paid for. Then in verses 3 to 5, here's how he says this is achieved. He says, a voice of one calling. In the wilderness, say it, prepare the way. Prepare the way for who? Yahweh. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain will be made low. You can see he's preparing the way. He's making the, he's tiring the road. He's doing all of those things. And he said, when that happens, then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. This one that prepares a way is also a voice. The one that prepares a way is also a voice. So the messenger that prepares the way is a voice. is a prophetic voice crying out in the wilderness. Do you understand that? Yes. Now, if you fast forward hundreds of years later, when the first gospel account of Jesus' life is written by um, John Mark, this is how it opens. 
After he said, Mark 1, verse 1, that this is the account of Jesus' life, very, very quickly he says this. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Now what he does, he says Isaiah, but he actually combines Malachi 3, verse 1, and Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. He combines the two of them, Malachi 3 that we are saying, and also Isaiah 40, so that you can know that this is the fulfillment of that messenger. All right, he says, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. That's Malachi 3 verse 1. Then he now says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism for what? The repentance of, for, uh, the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Remember what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 40? Comfort, comfort my people. Tell them that their sins have been paid for. And then that comes with a voice in the wilderness. But that voice is a messenger that is preparing the coming of God. And don't forget, John the Baptist's ministry does what? It precedes who's mean who? But Jesus is the God-man. So you see that Malachi 3 verse 1 is fulfilled in John the Baptist, the messenger that is coming before Yahweh, the God of justice, but God of justice now come as a human being. So when we think about the first Christmas, John the Baptist is the fulfillment of that my messenger. Amen? Claire? Let's talk about messenger two. What is the purpose of messenger two? Now, in Malachi 3 verse 2, it says, the messenger too is coming to his temple. To his, he is the owner of the temple. And the reason he's doing that is because, as we read in 1 verse 6, where it says that the priest, it is you priest, you priest that show contempt for my name. You ask how we show contempt for my name by defiling my altar. There was corruption with the priests, and there was corruption in the temple. That's why they were robbing God of the tithes. You understand? So when he says, I'm coming to my temple, what do you think he's going to come and do in his temple? He says in verse 3, verse 2 again, For he will come as a refiner's fire, a laundress soap. He will sit as a refiner and purify of silver. He will purify the Levite and refine them as gold and silver. And when he does so, what was going to happen? Two things will happen. He's coming for righteousness and for judgment. Righteousness, when he's purified them, their offerings, he says, they will bring offerings in righteousness. In other words, this messenger of the covenant is coming to, to repair things. He's coming to refine things. That's why you notice in Jesus' ministry, one time he went to the temple. What did he do? He formed the whip and he beat the money changers or took up their table. Why? He's coming to his own temple. It is, he said, this is my father's what? House. And you have made it a den of thieves. So he's coming. The messenger of covenant was coming to purify for his people. On the other hand, when you read verse 5, he says, but I will come to put you on trial I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress widows and the fathers, deprive the, the foreigners among you of justice, but do not fear me. So he is not just coming. You see, he's the God of justice, and justice is either reparative, restorative. It restores things to what they are, or it comes for judgment. So he's coming at two different people. One, his people, he's refining and purifying them. But the other ones, he's doing what? He's actually judging. In fact, in Malachi 4 verse 1, he expands on this and he says, Surely the day that is coming, surely the day is coming, that day will burn like a furnace. In other words, he's not just using fire to refine. He's also using fire to burn. It depends on who he's reaching. Amen? Which is why when John the Baptist talks about the ministry of the one he preceded in Luke chapter 3, verse 16, 17, he addresses those two people. Look into what John the Baptist says. He says, the people, uh, uh, verse 15, forget that. John answered them all because they thought John may have been the Messiah. He said, no, that was coming after me. 
And so John answered them all. He says, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. What is he going to do? Read it together. Baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That's not bad. Then now 17. Listen to how he now demonstrates that fire. He says, his winnowing fork is in his hands to clear the, his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. Is wheat good? Yeah? So there's this set of people, the wheat. But then the second part, what does he say? But he will burn up the chaff with his what? Unquenchable fire. It's always addressing these two. So whenever we think about justice, don't just think about justice, oh, somebody is paying for their crime, but justice also restores. And so he's saying he's coming to refine, he's coming to purify, but at the same time he's coming to judge by coming to his temple. Now, how does this apply to us? Because in Ephesians 2, verse 21 to 22, it says that we, now, after he has come and he has returned in the first coming, the first Christmas, and he's now sent his Holy Spirit, we are now what? The new temple. Is it not there in Ephesians 2? Right? In him, the whole building is joined together, rises up to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives. So, how does it apply to us? First of all, Let's talk about the first messenger. Have it in your head that when we talk about Advent, Advent is not simply about the coming of God at Christmas. Advent is about the coming of God, period. Advent is not just about the coming of God at Christmas. It's about the coming of God, period. Therefore, it's going to happen in his first coming and what? His second coming. Now, we are 2,000 years after his first coming. So when we're really thinking about the coming that we're anticipating, it's, it's what? The second coming, isn't it? If there was a prophetic messenger for the first coming, what do you think is going to happen in the second coming? There has to be what? Another prophetic messenger. Do you understand what I mean? And what was the first prophetic messenger preaching about? The first prophetic messenger was preaching about repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What do you think the second prophetic messenger is going to be preaching about? What do you think he's going to be preaching about? Repentance, Repentance for what? Forgiveness of sins. Who is that new prophetic messenger? Luke chapter 24 verse 46 to 47. Luke chapter 46, 47, uh, 24, 46 to 47 and 49. He told them, this is Jesus, after he has resurrected, from the dead, and he's about to go. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. John the Baptist didn't have this message. All right? This time has been fulfilled. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to his name. What? But we preach in his name to what? All, All nations. nations. This is not what John the Baptist did. This could only be done after the messenger of the covenant had come. That repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and that would only happen when he comes in the Holy Spirit. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Who is the new John the Baptist? Church. The church of Jesus Christ. And what is it that they are going to do before Jesus Christ comes? They are going to prophetically declare the message of repentance for forgiveness of sins in the person of Jesus Christ. What are you looking for when we talk about the coming of the Lord? What is it that we should be looking for? Some people will say, look out for the wars that are coming up. Every time there's one war, ah, you know we are in the last days. Every time there's one 5G, there's one new technological advance, you know we are in the last days. Anytime there's one disaster, you know we are in the last days. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, this is what Jesus says. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. Whereas, it's actually the preaching of his name he was talking about. Many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. Say it with me. In other words, whenever somebody is trying to trouble your heart about the coming of the Lord with fear, Say to him, the end is not yet come. 
because this is not the defining sign of the end. In fact, what the Bible tells us is not to be looking for the defining sign of the end. What the Bible tells us is what you need to be doing in order to anticipate and to bring forth the end. Because after that, listen to what he said in verse 14. Everybody, let us read it together. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And the church is the new John the Baptist. Listen, guys, we need not be driven by fear, but we should be driven to share. To share the gospel. This is how we become his messenger. We are now the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And our message is not one prophetic message about how Nigeria is going to be divided and how Nigeria is this, 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 and Nigeria is going to fulfill this or whatever, or Donald Trump is this new Cyrus or this other person. That is not our message. Our message is preaching in him the forgiveness of sins. Then shall the end come. That's the first thing. The second thing, that's for the first messenger. The second one is this, to continue to expect his coming to purify his church in righteousness. Because you see, we are not the second messenger. So he always comes to purify in anticipation of his coming judgment of the world. Remember that there were two. The one he will gather into his barn, but the one of unquenchable fire. Remember he said, I will sit as a refiner for the house of Levi, but I would also bring, I'll stand in, in judgment against who? Against the perjurers and all of those people. That's why 1 Peter verse 4, uh, chapter 4 verse 17 is really instructive. Look at what, what Peter says. For this, for it is time for judgment to begin where? In the house of God, God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not what? Obey the gospel. Now, if you remember the context of the 1 Peter, it was a suffering of the church, and the suffering of the church was bringing the refining of the church. So, guys, whenever... Let me put it another way for you to understand. Because remember, he precedes refining the church before he then judges the world. And you say, ah, judgment of the world, ah. How many of us like to have fun? So some people don't like to have fun. What's wrong with you? <laughs> fun. When I mean fun. I, I, you know when I'm talking about fun? This is December. It's dirty December. Baby. Like, we are going to have fun. We are going to parry. Then we will we, we'll parry one way or the other. We'll parry with face shield, mask, everything. We'll put, but that parry will not be taken away from us. We must have fun, isn't it? Jumping into Maseratis and all of that. When, now, when parents want to have, when parents want to do wedding for their children, I notice this, especially your bad parents, whenever they want to marry their daughter off, you know what they do? One of the first things they ah, is in six months. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and call, let's call. Do you know who they call? They call painter. They call carpenter. Hmm? They call bricklayer. You know why? They have to redo the house. You understand? In anticipation of the people that are coming. Right? Ah, you see, this, this, uh, this chair that has not been changed in 20 years. I can't allow this people to come. So they <laughs> upholstery. tree. They change the upholstery, tree. Right? They screed the walls. Now let's paint the wall. They put everything. Is marriage they want to do? Why are they doing that? Let me tell you why they're doing that. They're doing that because they want to have maximum enjoyment. You see, the marriage is not just going to be at the, at the reception. The marriage is going to be the, it's like a, a whole week stuff. So people must come in, people must come out, you know. And what they don't want, they don't want, they want to get rid of two things. They want to get rid of eyesores and useless things. Right? Because we can't have fun when we are seeing this uh, paint that has now been bloated. You know, this bus pipe that has now changed. You can't really have fun. It's an eyesore. It's not that you won't have fun. The jam, the bed will be there. But each time you're just, you know, moving and you're not looking, you know, it just brings it down a little bit. So you have enjoyment, but you don't have maximum enjoyment. You understand? 
in order to have maximum enjoyment, you have to get rid of eyesores. But then also, this thing is not working. The freezer is not working. Ah, the freezer is not working. Fanta is nice. But I'll tell you something that's better than Fanta, ice cold Fanta, especially in this weather. Do you understand? You can enjoy the Fanta, but when you repair the stuff and you get rid of the useless freezer of 25 years, your enjoyment will be what? Maximum. Revelation 19 says that, uh, fan to AC exactly. Revelation 19 says that God is going to throw a big party at the end of time. And God wants us to have maximum what? Enjoyment. So why judgment comes is to say, I have to get rid of the things that will not allow you to have maximum enjoyment. Do you understand that? And so what he says is that I will first clean house within my own house. Because charity begins at home. And then I will clean the whole world so that we can have maximum enjoyment. So whenever, guys, you see that God is exposing sexual predators in the church, he is refining his church. Whenever he is exposing fraudsters in his church and charlatans, he is what refining. Whenever he is exposing power drunk abusers, he is refining. Whenever he is exposing charlatans, he is refining. What should we be saying? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We must ask God for more of it. Because I don't want anybody to stop my maximum enjoyment. He wants to purify his church. Final thing. Somebody will ask the messenger's assurance. At the messenger's covenant, what's the assurance that I will be able to endure the day of his coming? That's the way he questioned that verse too. How do I know that me, me, I will endure his coming? Because this all sounds very scary. And I want to say it all depends not on you but on the messenger. See, as some of you know, my wife is a baker. A very good one as well. Three tea bakers. <laughs> but she'll tell, you so, eh? she'll tell you something. My wife will tell you something. For the satisfaction of her customers, for her customers to be fully satisfied, it doesn't simply depend on the skill of her baking. It doesn't simply depend on the skill of our baking. You know what? There's something else that is needed. You know what it is? You know what it is? It, re, it, it depends also on the reliability of the delivery messenger. Because, you see, the delivery messenger ensures that the transactional relationship, that the relationship that has been established between her company and the customer, that that relationship is enjoyed by both parties. Believe me, so she has found some. Have <laughs> not been very good. <laughs> she did the thing, delivered the end, but uh, what was sent and what was delivered, they are two different things. <laughs> Guys, listen. You will be able to endure the day of his coming not because of you, but because of the reliability of the messenger of the covenant. In Isaiah chapter 42, it talks about the reliability. He says, Listen, he is my servant. I will uphold him. I specifically chose this one. Oh. I chose this one. My wife uses one, mainly now. She uses one particular guy, mainly. You know why? She delights in him because he always delivers results. God says, I have chosen this one. I delight in him. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. This is a reliable and capable messenger. Because of the reliability of the messenger of the covenant, you can, and you can have confidence you will endure the day of his coming. But the second thing. You know what the messenger, my wife's messenger, you know what he delivers to the customer? You know what he delivers to the customer? What? My wife's cake. That is simple. It's not a true question. And if it is delivered safely, you know what happens? The customer will enjoy the cake, guaranteed, but temporarily. Its satisfaction is temporary, or her satisfaction is temporary, because when the cake finishes, that satisfaction goes. What do you think would be a better gift in this context? I'll tell you what would be a better gift. My wife goes as the messenger, and she says, here I am. 
I'm not giving you one cake. I'm giving you a baker. I will continue to be baking for you. Sorry, that, just this, that analogy falls apart because it won't happen. But <laughs> just work with me. My wife comes as the mess. She's the messenger, but she's also the message. You see, in that Isaiah 42, when it talks about this messenger of the covenant that is in Malachi, you know what he says in verse 6? He says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant. Not a messenger of the covenant, but what? A covenant to the people. The messenger of the covenant is the covenant himself. The gift, the, 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 the message of Advent is the gift of Advent. The Christmas messenger is the Christmas message. How does it become a covenant? Well, the people were in darkness and the people were in bondage. Bondage of their sin, bondage of all the things that they have suffered. And so what does it say? It said, I will give you as a covenant to them and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those that sit in darkness. Guys, listen. If, we, if the people of God did not have to fear his first coming, he said, for those who fear my name, I will arise like the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. There were some that could not endure, but there are some that could endure, that could anticipate his coming. You don't need to fear his second coming. Don't listen to the conspiracy theories. Don't listen to the fear mongers. Don't listen to the naysayers. Listen to the messenger of the covenant. And what he is, is that the messenger is also the message. The message of Advent, of any Advent is this. You can have confidence about Jesus Christ's second coming because of his first coming for you. He wants to give you that assurance. Listen, you can have assurance for today because you can have assurance for the last day. He's come before to, for us to redeem us to transform us but then to fully restore us when it comes thank you for listening to the gospel in lagos we pray you've been blessed by this message to learn more about city church visit www.citychurchlagos.com city church love jesus love people love lagos